Hello there, and welcome to the Serious Unlimited Podcast. Before we get started with today's episode, I'd like to talk to you about my audiobook, which is going really well, and it's coming out in a private podcast format, which means that every time I finish a chapter, I'm uploading it to my private podcast, and I'm uploading it to my website. So if you'd like more information about the Serious and Limnic audiobook, then go to my website, keithhayden.net, and check it out there. Right now, chapters 1 through 6 are available. So if you're interested in hearing me read my book, narrate it in somewhat dramatic fashion, along with my wife who's helping me out, then go to my website and check it out now. Or after you listen to this episode, of course. And on with the episode. Upon registering the gesture, the AI pilot lifted off to a position that Bartow previously designated on his device. The program would wait for him behind the house until instructed to return and pick him up. Sometimes I really love technology, Bartow thought. So convenient. So I want to take a second in this episode to talk about technology because I feel like it's something that's so ingrained in our just day-to-day lives nowadays in 2021 that we don't really think about it. You know, we don't think about our smartphones or our laptops or these blazing fast computers with terabytes of hard, you know, of, of storage in them. We just don't think about it that way. And it's, you know, in the world, I think of the world, the analog world that I grew up in, you know, in the 80s and 90s, um, everything was wired and, you know, we had computers, of course, but I mean, it just couldn't do half of what they do today. You know, we didn't live our lives in them like we do today. And I think back to just four years ago, you know, in 2017, when... Um, my wife and I moved um, to California. We just weren't set up to, you know, we weren't thinking, oh, we're going to be working from home one day, you know. Like, we, we had a decent internet, but, you know, what I'm saying, it wasn't that reliance like it is today to where, um, you know, you need to be able to conduct pretty much your entire working life and a lot of your social life too, let's be honest, from home. Um, that just wasn't in our thought process back then. So that's even changed in only the last four years. So I don't think people think about this a lot, and that's one of the reasons why in Sirius Alemnic I wanted to include fantasy elements, because I think it when you stop and think about it and step away from it and look at everything we can do with technology nowadays, it, it is kind of fantastical. It is kind of... You know, wow, we, we, like I said, we don't think about it that way, that we can do these amazing things on the daily, like every minute of every day, but we do it. You know, we talk to people across the world. Um, a simple thing like making a long distance phone call, you know, it, it, I can literally call Japan. I did a couple of weeks ago. I called a Japanese number from my Verizon cell phone. I mean, it was expensive as hell, don't get me wrong, but... Um, it's possible, and it's just uh, pretty amazing. 
So bottom line is those um, technological elements of my life like got me thinking like that would be interesting to like, of course, have that in a novel, but then talk about the what ifs, you know, talk about what could be, you know, what type of stuff are we not thinking about today that in the world of tomorrow will be commonplace. I think that's one of the things I wanted to do with including fantasy elements in Sirius Olympic. So as I was speaking about in the intro, you know, yeah, technology is, is pretty, plays a pretty big role in the book. Um, not not as big as you would think, uh, you know, for a book that's science fiction. At least I don't think. I don't, I don't lean too much on technology. I've talked about that for, before in a previous session about how um, I, I wanted to include the technology, but I wanted to show how it affects the characters more than just showing off the technology. But of course it's there. Um, and in the world of the novel... You have, of course, technology that people use that are commonplace. You know, you have these lightning fast computers. You have all this computing power to where you can um, basically interact with technology in a deep way. I mean, we already do that today, let's be honest. I mean, there's, there's a lot of examples of technology to where, you know, people form friendships, relationships, you know, just strictly based on the Internet. That We, we have that now, but uh, I'm talking like human lifelike interconnection, uh, you know, that's what I'm showing in the book. And then I have some other little gizmos and gadgets. Yeah, I don't really think it's a, that big of a deal. Um, not enough to mention, but um, yeah, that, that the technology formed the foundation of the fantasy elements. So, when thinking about the fantasy elements in the novel... I, first of all, there's a couple of reasons why I included them. Um, one, they're just fun. They're fun to play with and, you know, be able to say, you know, I have this these characters, I have this story, but I want them to be able to like have powers. I want to be able to fight and a reason to include cool colors and cool scenarios and things like that. So I, I feel like it gives you a freedom as an author to to create more instead of just limiting your book world to to the laws of reality, which, of course, we know very well, the limitations of our day-to-day lives. But when you include that in a book, I think it makes it a little bit more interesting. You know, I was, I've been influenced by a couple of things. I, I think I've talked about uh, Chinese dramas before, but I've been watching the last few years, as I mentioned before, I've been watching a lot of Chinese dramas, and they do this a lot in these fantasy ones, especially the ones that are more um, period pieces to where it's not a modern drama. It's set in, like, some ancient, you know, based off of real, I'm guessing, Chinese civilization, but then it's like some spinoff, right, to where they've got these magical artifacts, they've got these powers, we're watching one right now called uh, Love and Redemption, and it, it's very 
they'll have these super dramatic moments and then they'll have this moment that's just like power rangers you know she's summoning her armor and she's using this powerful sword and and this is pretty common in a lot of uh chinese dramas that i've seen that they'll kind of blend the dramatic elements with the fantastical elements and that keeps it interesting and it's a way for them to like showcase a lot of these uh chinese myths and these artifacts and these folk tales and bring them to life and you see recurring themes throughout these shows so that really influenced my writing because obviously i've been watching a lot of these uh these shows over the last few years and so seeing that that kind of like just filtered its way into my writing so that was another reason why i included fantasy elements in the book And I want to say not too long ago, maybe it was probably less than a year. I think it was during the pandemic, actually, that I finished the book. But it was uh, Haruki Murakami's uh, 1Q84. Um, I read that book. And it's a funny story about this book because I bought it probably like three or four years ago. And it's a super thick book. And I think the title got me because, of course, I like... 1984 in Georgia Orwell's and I think Murakami kind of was trying to invoke that with now that I finished the book um but it's actually like three books together just as a as an aside about 1Q84 it's like three books but in the western release they combined it into one long ass book <laughs> so it's like over a thousand pages it's a super long book and the first time I read it uh, I wasn't really feeling it this was like three or four years ago and I just couldn't get down with it it it's a weird book y'all I'm not gonna lie it's Murakami he's he's famous for his like rigorous uh writing routine and his kind of just he kind of writes what he sees and like dreams and stuff and visions and then you can tell like the book just it will just grab something out of thin air you'll be like what how do we get there like now um He's having sex with some, like, alien girl, and now, you know, there's his body's stone or something. It's weird, but the way he... (laughs) Just go read the book. You've been probably curious about the book now, but the way he blends... I mean, his genre is called magical realism, and I think that is the perfect fit for this book because that's pretty much what it is. I mean, it's... It's a lot of like mundane things too. You know, they have this one character, Tengo, who's a writer, and I just found his chapters really kind of a slog to get through because they're just describing his routine and he's in his apartment, he's making dinner, like, and not just like he puts something in the microwave, like, it's a whole couple pages of description of him making dinner and then eating dinner, and then what did he do after dinner? He had a drink and then he you know, talked on the phone to somebody, to his editor, and then he went to bed. I mean, it's it's really painstaking detail. So you have those parts of the book, and then you have, like, the parts that I just, you know, some of them I give you an idea of what is in the book. There, it's just other stuff, too. They can go to this town, and there's nothing um, there, and then he's kind of stuck in this town later on in the book. Anyway, anyway, go read the book if you're really interested. It's a, it's a good book. Um, but I was coming off reading this book as I was writing Sirius and Lemnick, and 
I really liked the way Murakami blended the the realism parts, you know, the parts that were just daily life. These two characters living in Tokyo and living their lives, but then, bam, you know, like you've got some weird kind of element going on. Um, yeah, so I, I thought that was cool. I thought that was interesting. And when it's done in a good way, it really does take elevate the story to another level not that it's just like oh and they had superpowers you know not anything like that's just kind of boring like that to tack on but something that's interesting and real and that was another reason why i included the fantasy element because i had come off of watching all these shows and then reading this book as well So, technology in the future. Um, I was going to talk about that a little bit. Uh, now that getting towards the end of this. Uh, what do I think about technology in the future? Actually, I don't think about it as much as maybe people would think that I think about it. And I say that as somebody who's written, obviously, a science fiction novel. Um, because, like I said, you know, I think at the end of the day, like I said, at the very beginning of this of this session um the technology just starts to fade to the background did you ever notice that i mean nowadays how do you think about like the machine learning behind google when you go to look up a video do you think of that with google you know when you go to search something on google of course you don't you go in there you get your video for however whatever you want to do and then you go do something else, you know. It's the same with a Google search, you know. Like, there's billions of Google searches every day, and you're not thinking about the the tech the tech behind it. And you know, you just you just want it to work. And I think that's that's one of the reasons why I made the like I've been talking about um, the technology kind of a secondary role because you, as people, at the end of the day, we don't really care how it works. We care that it works. We care that it serves its purpose in our life, and it's a tool. It's no different than fire or hammer or, you know, uh, a stapler if you're in an office or something. It serves a purpose, and then once that purpose is served, I don't need to know how a stapler works to 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 use it for, to staple papers. You know, I'm just using an office example. But that's my point. It's the same with technology. Like, I don't really need to understand how the fundamentals of it work to for it to play a role in my life um and i feel like that's going to continue to happen as we move along as a species we're going to continue to come up with these things and technology is going to get smaller and smaller and faster and faster and better and better and um it's just going to become kind of that that signal like any kind of frequency that continuous frequency that we hear coming into our ears first it's you know starts out audible it's there you hear the buzzing you hear the the whir of the air conditioner or whatever and then five minutes later nothing because you're just used to it you've adapted your ear and your mind has adapted to the sound of its presence and unless there's some change like it goes off or goes bust or whatever happens 
then you're going to pay attention to it again. I think that's a really fitting, now that I think about it, I think that's a really fitting metaphor for technology. You know, we notice the changes in it when it's when it's big, you know, big technologies come in and um, they really cause us to think about how it's going to impact our world and our lives. But after a certain amount of time, it's just noise. And I don't think that's going to change in it. any point soon in the future. That's kind of how we're wired as humans to to have that. Of course, it's a, you know, it's one of our many tools in our survival kit. You know, if you are not focused too much on a continuous thing, then you can focus on things that may be a threat to you. Things that are changing right before your eyes that you can't really quite pin down. Yeah. I think that's the the way of technology now. I think that's the way technology has always been. And I think that's the way it's going to be in the future. In the future, it may seem like they are science fiction. You know, the future of that of tomorrow. Of course, the future's in tomorrow. <laughs> um, I think we're going to see it as if you know it could be. It, it could have been science fiction, like today in 2021. I've talked about this before on this podcast. So where. You know, there's no way I could have called the technology that we have at our fingertips now when I was a kid. It just, it was a completely different world. It was a completely different thought process. You just had different ways to go about your business, you know, and typically it took longer, you know, using, I recently saw a, a payphone um, recently, like a couple of weeks ago. I forget, where was I? Oh, Yosemite, Yosemite National Park. Um, my wife and I went down there for spring break and I saw a payphone out there and I don't know if it worked, but I hadn't seen a payphone in the U S probably in like maybe five, 10 years. Like they just, you just don't see them um, anymore like you did in the old days. But I mean, in the old days when I was a kid, you know, payphones were on every block, you know, it was just kind of normal to have a payphone there. You, the cell phones, they were there, but I mean, no, not everybody had them like they did today. So that's just one example of a technology that has slowly kind of changed, you know, obviously the cell phone, the smartphone um, in the last 20 or so years in a major way that has affected the way how we do something. And nobody, maybe people like if you're in the industry, of course, cell phone industry, you saw it coming. But regular Joe, average Joe like me, like I see this stuff coming. You just kind of adapt and react when it happens. And yeah, I think that's why I wanted to show that with the characters in Sirius and Lemnick. How do they adapt to this technology? How does it how is it to them? How is it that white noise? And I show that. I'm not gonna have of course no spoilers in this podcast, but uh yeah, I have several characters that just they interact with technology, but they don't think about it. You know, they're not sitting there like, oh, this is some crazy thing, you know, some big thing that I'm using a computer in this way that I'm using this particular item in this way because we don't do that we just log on and it works or it doesn't work and then we go about our business and we're done with it technology can seem like a fantasy and superpowers but 
at the end of the day, there's tools. So I wanted to put that in the novel. One other thing I wanted to mention is that I include in the novel this kind of, um, what do I call it, pseudoscience. And I'm not going to spoil like the exact details of what I came up with, but that was fun and interesting. And that was something that I hadn't really expected to go into in the book because I just wasn't thinking about it that way. But then when I saw like narratively that there's an opportunity to insert something like this in, Man, I went to town on it, and I really enjoyed uh, coming up with that. And it's funny because I remember talking to my brother after I finished, and he read, you know, what I'd written about this this pseudo this field of non-existent pseudoscience that I feel like, you know, at least for the context of the book, makes sense. And maybe in real life, it will make sense too. And I was kind of nervous about it because I was like, you know, my brother's kind of like a scientist type, so he's into research and stuff, and he was like, nah, man, this is good. Like, make sure you put that in the metadata, too, that this pseudoscience that you made up is in there. Because if one day somebody actually does come up with this as, like, a legit field of science, you want to say kind of you, you know, you planted your flag there first, you know, that you coined this word and things like that. And I I kind of laughed to myself, you know, we had this kind of conversation and, um, but at the end of the day, I was like, man, you know what, bro? You're right. I think that is a cool place to be. Haven't come up with something like that. You know You know how they say in the history books, like, oh, so-and-so was the first person to coin the, the, the word blah. You know, I can't think of it with example off the top of my head. But you know what I mean. That type of thing. So, yeah, I thought that was pretty interesting. And it goes along with, of course, the the fantasy and technological elements because it's something that does not exist and I feel like fiction frees you like that. That's one of the cool things that I'm glad I, I wrote this in serious Olympic form in uh, fiction form because in nonfiction, you know, you don't really have the type of leeway. So in fiction, it just gives you the power to uh, come up with your own ideas and to flesh them out in a way that is best for your story and in a way that is best for the themes and the main message that you want to have as an author and I love that music for the serious and limbic podcast was provided by Ryan Fonger for more information about serious and limbic visit keithhayden.net and subscribe or follow at kh underscore author on Twitter. For future episodes, subscribe and follow the Serious and Limnic podcast on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, as well as the Amazon Music app. <laughs>